The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word glory literally means value, worth. It's the majestic splendor that was residing in Jesus. The Old Testament or Hebrew word translated glory literally comes from the word weight. And so something of splendor, of weight, of, of actual value that comes from Jesus. This is John's introduction, and he picks up later in the chapter where uh, John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But in chapter two, from verse one, on the third day, so all this is just three days happening. John says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He picked his disciples, and on the next day, This happens, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Okay, Jesus isn't this great Messiah recognized by everybody yet. He's only just started. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And he said to her, woman, What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I don't know if she knew more than he did or if she just, a mother was gonna help him out. Mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons of peace. That's just normal. It was just normally there. And he said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said, draw some now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn it, drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, but you've kept the good wine until now. And then all this is for this statement. John writes, the beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. What did they see? They saw the signs that he had done. Now, I don't know about you, but if it were me, I don't, don't know that this would have been the first sign. I have nothing against wine, but the reality is nobody knew it was a sign except the disciples and the servants who served it. And his mother, of course. Nobody else did. It wasn't like a very visible thing. It was almost like an everyday miracle. They just drew water out of the purification jars and it had become wine and they served it. Everyone drank it, but they had no clue where it came from. Chapter three, verse two. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no man 
No one can do these signs that you do unless God was with him. <clears throat> Something of the signs. One more. Chapter 4. There's a story at the end of a nobleman's son who is healed. Verse 48, Jesus said, unless the people see signs and wonders, they will by no means believe. And this guy's healed in verse 53. The father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. Again, this again is the second sign Jesus did when he'd come out of Judah of Galilee. I was reading this a couple weeks ago. And I thought, how did these Jews miss Jesus the Messiah? They've been looking forward to this for hundreds of years. They've been praying. They've been expecting. They had faith that a Messiah was going to come. And when he came, they missed it. Could it be that the signs weren't signy enough? See, what happened is that they got so focused on their need, they were a nation oppressed, controlled by an occupying force, and they got so focused on that that they expected a Messiah to come and bring a political revolution that would throw off the yoke of Rome and they would be set free, so focused on that that they missed the miracles he actually did. Let me ask you, do we sometimes get focused on a certain expectation or miracle and miss the miraculous that we live in every day? Do we overlook the fact that we're living in what they were looking forward to for hundreds of years wasn't just Jesus coming, it was the kingdom that he inaugurated that is supernatural. We live in that. And can we overlook it? Because we just get used to the miraculous. See, it says that his doing of miracles was the manifestation of his glory. Do we get so focused on the one miracle we think we need that we miss all the miracles that he does? Let's recount some of that day-to-day -day miracles. How many of you have ever held a newborn baby? If you're a father, I can't speak for everyone but I can speak for myself. When my first son was born, I held him and something happened. Something changed in me. There was something of an overwhelming sense of love, of just the delight in this child that when Mary got pregnant with her second son, I was afraid that I wouldn't have the same love. And then when I held our second son, something happened. Something 
supernatural, an overwhelming sense of love and life. Think about that for a second. Especially if having a baby has been a struggle for someone. It's a miracle. That change within us is a miracle. But more than that, how about experiencing the life of God? When we get born again and we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that's a miracle. That's a miracle of life that extends for eternity. We live in that. Do we take it for granted? But how about when God's presence, the life of God, brings life to dry bones? When the breath of God, how many of you have ever been dry and something of the breath of God touched you and life came back again? Anybody? If that's you, put your hand up real quick. Yeah, see, we're experiencing miracles. How about experiencing his presence in worship? I'm constantly overwhelmed by the sense of God's presence that as we worship, I can actually come into his presence and experience who he is. That's a miracle. But more than that, how about God's faithful provision for us? How many of you have experienced miraculous provision this year? Anybody? I have. We live in miracles. But how about the joy and the laughter and the love of friends? Do we overlook that? Because for people who don't have that, that's a miracle. A few weeks ago, I was building a fence with the help of a friend. We did it in one day. It was Jack Van Winden, the guy's a beast. I, I couldn't move the next day. But just that privilege of friendship when, when we need help. How about partnership in the kingdom? Mary and I have the privilege of meeting with the pastors or elders, we call them, Every week, every week, this group is praying for you, for this church, every week. People who work other jobs full-time, very busy, but they set time aside every single week to pray. That's a miracle. This church is what it is because of that prayer. That's a miracle. Think about those things. How about in the midst of grief and the loss of a loved one, the joy inside that we know that they're face to face with Jesus? Doesn't make the grief go away, but it adds another layer. That's a miracle. See, Jesus has come and we're living in a new kingdom, a kingdom that's miraculous. And while we're not 
focused simply on what happened. That was the, when Jesus came, that was the entrance of this kingdom into the world. He is not a manger, uh, baby in a manger. He's a king, risen king, who is still working today. And John was picking that up in his book when he talks about these signs. Jesus comes to the point where he says, the works that I do bear witness to me. And then he says this, as his disciples, the very works that he did will do. Here's a thought. Do you get to be the means by which God manifests his glory miraculously to someone? Do you get to be the means by which miracles come into someone's life? By sharing the gospel by providing for their needs, by helping out, by being a blessing. Isn't that amazing? So because of this, we have hope. Not just hope for some vague sense of good luck. I hope you have a good year. Not some hope for things, hopefully things will get better. But we're living in a kingdom with a king who's alive today. Our hope isn't in things getting better. Our hope is in a king, and his kingdom has transformed the earth. Most of what we take for granted today is a direct result of Jesus having come into the world. Medical care for everybody. Jesus. Why? Because he said every person's valuable. Every person being important in their rights. Every person having a sense of worth and us helping each other out is all because Jesus changed the culture. You did not find that in the Roman world at that time. In fact, a few years ago, a professor said if an atheist from today was somehow time-traveled and transported to Rome in the time of Jesus, they would have been considered to be a Christian. Not because of their belief in God, but because of the belief in the value of individuals. Their belief in every person should have freedom. The, the removal of slavery the, the belief that every person should be helped with medical care. None of that existed. The belief that women are valuable and can vote. More than that, they can lead. All that came from Jesus. We have hope. But what I want to say is this. Sharing the miracles he does, even the day-to-day, everyday miracles, gives him glory. It's manifesting his glory. It's letting people see that he's still at work today. And sometimes we don't think they're big enough to share. Well, if God raised somebody from the dead, we'd share that. But actually, Jesus... Turn the water into wine. In fact, oftentimes, he, he heals a guy and he says, don't go tell anyone. 
Why? Because he expected miracles to be so evident. I'm gonna give five people a very quick opportunity to share a miracle and give glory to Jesus. I'm gonna limit it to five. So if you've got something that you think, even a a day-to-day miracle, God's supernatural provision, God's direction, God's speaking to you, just come, first five, stand right here on the side. Come now and stay there. Okay, let me tell you how we're going to do this. I'm going to hold the mic, and you're going to tell us what Jesus did. Now, I'm saying that because I know how we can, we get into the story, and pretty soon we want all the details. We don't need all the details, okay? We need, what is it that, that Jesus did, okay? So I'm going to hold this, and, uh, and then I'll just move from one to the, the next one, Okay. Yes, my daughter was born with brain damage. She didn't breathe when she was born. She was black when they got her to breathe. Um, And then when she was 11, she got hit by a car and they said that they couldn't say whether she would live or die. And that went on for seven days. And um, anyway, she was prayed for and she was healed of her original brain damage and the brain damage that they said she would have from the accident if she lived. Wonderful, wonderful. That's fantastic, thank you. Go ahead, sit down. In July this year, I had a very bad time in hospital. I should have died. They told me I should have had a cardiac arrest and died, and God was there, and here I am. (laughs) Wonderful. My sister and I was at a beach. The waves were extremely high, and without knowing, a wave came behind us and sucked me out to sea. And um, all I could think of was, don't let me, don't let me be eaten by a shark. But my sister was absolutely terrified. She, could, there was no one else around, and I honestly thought that was my time. And all of a sudden, well, it wasn't suddenly because it was about five of these huge waves coming in. I came out like a seal, a uh, dolphin, and things as they came out, just like spat out, and I felt like it was just being like. Jonah in the well, and I just came out. I wasn't coughing. I didn't have any residual lung problems with water in my lungs or anything, and I praise God for that. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Yes, God brought me back from the dead when I bled to death one time. (laughs) Yeah, not an everyday miracle, but that, yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Mary's gone, uh oh. Mine's uh-oh. Mine is ordinary everyday. I'm, I, his... I'm holding the wife, the mic, so I could be real close. <laughs> He's my miracle. That's a miracle. Okay, so one Saturday in May or June, I can't remember, I said to the Lord, Lord, I would really like for you to give me some money outside of our normal income so that I can surprise Russ and bring our son and daughter-in-law and granddaughters over in the end of July, because Russ is having surgery. I wanted him to have something to look forward to. And I just gave it to the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if you did that, Lord? The next day at church, this beautiful friend of mine came up, and she had something in her hand, and she took my hand and held it. And she said, Mary, this is for you. 
It's not for ministry. You know exactly what it's for. And so I just, I was dumbfounded, actually. Are you giving me the mic or you want me to no, hurry? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm last. I can I, go long. I'm not giving you the mic. <laughs> so anyway, I said thank you. I went home and looked at it. It was enough to bring the entire family over. And the backstory to that is I've been asking the Lord for testimonies to give to our youngest son and his wife who aren't walking with the Lord right now. And this year he's given me four different things that are a testimony that I can share with them. So I called them and I said, um, I'd like you guys to come over after Russ's surgery and I'm going to pay for it. He goes, oh no, you can't do that. You can't pay for it. But I ended up being able to tell him the story of how God provided. And Wonderful. they were dumbfounded. So that's a financial provision that to me was a miracle. Wonderful. And in sharing that, Jesus is glorified. Because we're, all of us know we can't produce miracles. Only he can. But he tends to do it through us. As we worship, we're going to come back. If the team will come back, we're going to continue in worship. Let's just recognize that we're living in a supernatural kingdom. All those things that those songs look forward to with a child coming and being born, we get to experience if we know him. New life, life of his spirit, his supernatural provision, adding us together as family. All those things we experience because of his presence. Can we stand and let's just worship him. <laughs> 